Welcome to WMRK Radio Free Marktown. I'm your host, The Game Master. Our website is explorersunlimited.com where you can subscribe, donate, find other episodes, comment on this podcast, and find links and other information related to this episode. Our email address is radiofreemarktown at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Welcome to the show. Uh, I am Lloyd, uh, also known as Augur or Jezebel. I'm here with uh, Lars and Patrick. Gentlemen, why don't you introduce yourselves? Hey, I'm Lars, otherwise known as Captain Cook, or Kesslin from Phase World, as well as quite a few other games under other names. I've uh, been on the site for since, what, 2007? And i uh, been involved in quite a few different roles. So. Patrick? Um, I'm Patrick, uh, CS High Command. Uh, Peter Dravnos and Raiden, uh, pretty much only ones right now. I've had others in the past. Uh, I've been on the site since 2008, 2007, somewhere in there. Came in on my uh, dying Yule. <laughs> <laughs> so we have a we have a post first epic players coming in uh, who've, are, who've become long since veterans. Um, so let me uh, just transition straight across out into our new patron shout-outs since uh, you know, this is something I, I promised all the patrons. I would just like to uh, thank all new Diamond uh, patrons. Uh, Tony B., who plays Vortigern. Uh, Steve P., uh, he plays Cairo. He's been on site since forever. So uh, he's, he's finally gotten on the uh, Patreon train. Uh, Alex... Uh, who's the GM of the Century Station game. He uh, he signed up as a Diamond Patron. Thank you, Alex. Paul, otherwise known as Belton, otherwise known as the best writer on the site, I'm sad to say, and envious of at the same time. Uh, EJ, uh, who's long since been the problem child of EU for years, uh, but a great guy. He's a, he's a Diamond Patron. Uh, John King, otherwise known as Rocky, he's been... God, he's been on the site for years and years, almost since the beginning. And uh, he signed up as a Diamond patron. Uh, Stan Grimes, otherwise known as Carl, also old school player, very old school. He finally got in. And a new player, F. Kenneth Vudmaska. I hope I've pronounced that right. He plays Hesiod in the fantasy game, and he signed up as a Diamond patron. Uh, Thank you, everyone, all you gentlemen, for uh, joining in. It's appreciated. You know, I hope you enjoy all the benefits and EP and all that that comes with the patronage there. I have a message from the architect who cannot be here for his normal minute of gripe. Uh, and I'm, I'm going to read that to you as he requested. Uh, sorry, guys. I have a real bad dental infection and just had two, my two teeth removed. My jaw is sore as hell. So proxying by getting Lloyd to do this for me. That was not a complete sentence. Those are my words. I wasn't going to swear, but I want Lloyd to use the beep function. It'll get the point across more. My advice for new and old people, read the help stuff. The process is not det- is detailed incredibly well. Even if you think you know it, read it again. Most of my time is spent pointing out things to people that are very, very clearly written. If you are new, you should be searching for your answers there before, underscored here, you ask me. I don't mind helping people out, but I'm getting real tired of people expending a minimal effort to find things out. I figure every character should have two to three questions that require a detailed answer. If you're running five to ten, it's too much. I don't mind doing my job, of course, but I have lots of other things to do on the YouTube. 
etc., 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 jamming for the Templar and Chaos Earth. Work with me here, people. Come on. Now that I'm feeling better, sort of, I'll be getting character uh, sample characters posted. Hopefully that will help with the new people. I asked the population that's bold typeface print here. Please post up with the most confusing part of character generation to you so I can expand, edit the instructions, and or make an FAQ. I'll be addressing examples for gear selection as my highest priority over the next few days. And that is with lug, loves, hugs, and bunny kisses from the architect. So there's the uh, architect's uh, minute of gripe by proxy through myself. But we have a, uh, a, a, a new guest on here tonight, and that is Patrick, who's going to talk about his plans for the CS game. And uh, Lars and myself are going to be uh, querying him and waiting with bated breath to hear what's what's going on. So, Patrick, what can you tell us about? Um, well, first, they're almost done out in the far west. Um, they've got to get through a few more things. Um, there's a mid-air battle going on right now. Um, that's turned out to be pretty fun. Um, of course, I have really, really strong riders on the group, so it helps. Um, they've got to get back to uh, Chi-Town, actually. Uh, they're not going to be going back to Murktown immediately. Um, they're going to get to uh, pal around Chi-Town for a little bit. Figure it's kind of one of those things every CS uh, character should get to do at least once or twice. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we're uh, we got some other missions going up. When I took over the one tenth, I actually got really lucky. Uh, Reaver, the previous GM, had a really, really de- uh, detailed campaign idea that I've pretty much run with because it's a really good idea. Um, so it's been a lot of fun to take it and run with it. Um, so some of, for, the, for the new listeners, could you uh, give us a little context about what is the group um, and, okay, why are they out in the West at present? And then maybe take us from there forward with your plans. Okay. Uh, well, the group is a uh, special forces group, uh, the Coalition States 110th uh, Special Ops Group. Um, they are based out of Murktown, uh, from the CS base right outside of town. And they go into undercover missions, sometimes straight up, um, straight up assault missions, sometimes undercover, sometimes not, you know, that whole thing. Um, we've got two officers, which is, uh, James Howlett and John Freeman, uh, played by Consumer and Ventus Vinko. Uh, two of our GMs. And then we've got two mutant animals, uh, Maine, uh, who is a really, really weird mutant cat. Um, <laughs> he is, su- he is super strong, not all that fast, and has a, de- has a fascination with fighting juicers, mostly because he has a fascination with death. Um, and then you have Caesar, who is the ultimate good doggy. He really is the ultimate good doggy. And then we, uh, recently, uh, actually, saved Lars who is a uh, special forces ca- mechanic basically yeah special forces mechanic is the best way to put it and then uh, we've also got uh, Snoopy who is a he's a he's a Samus pilot he's a he's a super high-end flyboy loves going fast can't get enough of it 
and really hates being um, just spinning his wheels, which is a, makes for a lot of fun uh, posts, actually, because whenever he gets bored, he gets writing. Um, so it's usually a lot of fun. Then we have Egan, who is, besides James, the oldest uh, he's been on the team the longest uh, James Howlett is the other officer. James is actually a body doc or a cyber doc, not a uh, CS OCC, which is kind of cool. Um, he's also, I think, at least a partial going on full conversion board at this point. That's going to be a lot of fun. They've been, they've done quite a few things. They went to uh, straight out of the gate, and this is actually from before I joined, before I even joined the the, the game. Uh, they went to Jonesboro, Arkansas. And they took on a bunch of forces there and managed to capture an evil book and first learned of the evil Lord Velargo, who wants to construct some sort of rift machine. That's pretty much all they know. Then they got to go to Atlantis. Uh, they lost They lost their uh, team leader there. Well, actually, they didn't lose her. The CS confiscated her because she got uh, Bioborg adapted. Uh, they got a new CO, and then they were involved in the Battle at the Gates, um, where the Murktown epic fight with the Demons and the Devils. And they were also involved in the Swap Meet battle, uh, which was before I took them over, but one of the last things I did before I took them over, because uh, I was playing in that as part of uh, Paragon uh, with my character Peter. So that was that was a lot of fun to play with, actually. Then from there... Uh, they went to uh, Lone Star, which was kind of a fun thing. They got to meet Desmond Bradford. Um, pretty much hated him, as everyone pretty much should. Uh, they got to meet a couple other, uh, couple other notables from the books. Um, one of the things I particularly like doing is if there are personalities for the CS and you can meet them, you should. Awesome. Because why not? When they got there, they... Uh, actually got roped into putting down an experiment. So they had, as somebody on Facebook described it, a uh, running doom in uh, the Lone Star Complex. <laughs> so uh, then they got out, they got their vehicle, got out of town. They went through Roswell, New Mexico, which was a lot of fun to change up. Um, I created a uh, large thing down there called S-Mart, or sorry, U-Mart, U-Mart which was based uh, the thing on, on S-Mart from uh, Evil Dead. Um, except taken to 11 because it's a black market ha haven. Universal credits had the value of black market credits, and black market credits had the value of universal credits for that one site only. Oh. Not many people took heavy advantage of it um, because they were pretty well equipped. Then they drove from there through southern New Mexico and then went up to Gallup. Uh, Gallup is actually on uh, Route 66, so I got to play with some of the uh, of what's going on there, and what it would look like after the apocalypse. Remarkably, a lot of it actually was pretty well um, maintained. So they still got the kind of old boarded up feel of driving down Route 66. Nice. Which, yeah. Um, and then from there, they actually spent quite a bit of time there. Yeah. The uh, they. They actually um, helped put down some vampires while they were there. Um, actually, Snoopy wrote up the fight for me because I wasn't going to sit there and play the group through it. They, they weren't really wanting to, but I wanted some resolution to it. So I put out a context within the group of somebody write this up. Somebody give me a story of how this went down. 
And I actually like how um, how he did it. Uh, he did a really good job with it. It's in the group if anyone ever wants to look at it. I highly suggest it. It was a lot of fun. That's interesting. From the uh, from there, they drove to uh, Chandler, Arizona, where they met up with the Papago Indians, uh, Native Americans. There, they found out that they were actually up against the Shadow Warriors, who they had already faced at the uh, gates of our just outside the gates of uh, Murktown. So there was quite a bit of uh, gnashing of teeth and raising of fists um, <laughs> going on. You know, we're going to get them, we want to take them down, blah, blah, blah. It's a lot of fun. Then they started tracking down. I got to teach them um, that just because you have high-tech sensors doesn't mean that they work in every situation. Um, I had an enemy fighting against them in heavy, dense uh, vegetative cover, <laughs> and they, they they had to spend a action doing. Um, actually, thankfully, one of the characters did. Um, it's actually something similar I've picked up from you, um, Augur. The uh, where the the sensor guy feeds all feeds everyone's sensors. So even though he wasn't firing, his sole purpose was to find the enemy so everyone else, because they kept losing them. Right. So every time they go to fight, so half time they'd be firing wild because they lost them. And then if it, when it came back up, they the sensor guy catch them, which in this case was James. Sensor guy catch them, say, oh, there he is. And then everyone would just focus fire and they just destroyed them. They went up against three serpent power armors um, with their two bikes and one power armor and the um the apc itself pretty good um pretty quick battle but it was a lot of fun they were cussing the entire time because they just couldn't find these things mm -hmm. then like every good gm i gave them a chance to use it against me <laughs> <laughs> and uh then we came to where the the prison breakout because um where they actually managed to uh pick up carl and now they're trying to escape in a uh, free Quebec uh, glitter boy transport that the uh, they had stolen, and that's where we're at now. So that kind of takes us through where they've been and what they've done. Do you have any uh, do you have any questions for them on that, Lars? Not really. I mean, because obviously I don't want to. I don't want too many spoilers, and I know that uh, the plan is eventually once once we're through past all this, we get some downtime. And I know. One one of the reasons that I went mechanic was because the the group had actually recently uh, lost its its mechanic slash EOD expert, so I'm slowly gearing the character up to kind of fill in that gap. And I, I just know I've got a lot of work ahead of me. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. <laughs> they are they are so like all the gear is so beaten up. My character is going to hate them forever. <laughs> uh, and of course, right now he's yeah, and right now he's uh, he's of course meeting Maine and dealing with Maine for the first time, which is uh, proving to be a little bit interesting, especially since Maine hasn't picked up at times when he's just joking because like he was he was asking Maine if Maine wanted something to drink, and Maine's reply was something about uh, only drinking the blood of the enemy, and he's like, "You idiot! That's only for uh, you only use the blood of the enemy to oil the turrets." And then Maine actually took him seriously. Uh, yeah, well, he was wanting to know if he could use it like olive oil. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, He's kind of psychotic. Yeah, and, um, and of course, Carl, meanwhile, is like, why the heck am I taking orders from a mutant, first of all? And, and secondly, of course, at the same time, Maine's so intimidating, he's just not making a big fuss about it, especially since he just finished basically going from a pow to he's, he's just gotten his first case of freedom in a while. 
And he's like, you know, screw it, I can, I can put up with this at least until we, we get out of this and then, and then we can sort things out. Interesting, Patrick. So, yeah. where are you, where are you planning on taking the game? Like, if you, if you have to, if you can paint with a broad brush regarding the meta narrative, where are you looking to take the game? Uh, maybe short and long term, and then I'll, I'll let uh, Patrick kind of quiz you on. Uh, Something maybe a little more specific or something like that. All right. Um, well, the the long I've got like, several places I want to take the group, including at least a short uh, short trip through Old Chicago. Old Chicago is this great setting that really every CS character needs to see. So there's going to be something short and side sidewise done there. Um, it'll tie in, but it'll be short and small. Um, then current not definite locations that we're looking at is California, Mad Haven, oh, that's poss- awesome. possibly the Sovietsky, and uh, <clears throat> up near Calvary. Uh-huh. So, and there is also some talk of going through the St. Louis Rift uh, to a for a small jump through Phase World. Um, players didn't seem too keen on that. It wouldn't have been like anywhere to like Phase World itself, just in the in the dimension and just. Some other little things like that, but nothing's set in stone until I start writing the adventure hardcore. <laughs> well, if I can, uh, if I can uh, uh, tantalize you a little bit, uh, I have established in, as canon for EU that uh, the Zentradi have a freehold in uh, Northern California. Just saying. Nice. <laughs> okay, that may have to happen. <laughs> The, the and now I'll have been there. and now I'll have Tyree trying to quit being my AGM and join the group. <laughs> <laughs> right? There is there are drawbacks. I'm just saying. Because uh, I love Robotech as much as you and Tyree do, so that's that's kind of one of my things. But yeah, no, I mean it's and everything else at this point. There's one big component that the group is trying to take down. Uh, one thing that's going to be kind of cool is they have to take everything they've already done, uh, everything they've already gathered, and they have to deliver it to the Black Vault, which is going to be fun. Nice. By fun, I mean it's going to be horrific for them, but it's going to be fun. <laughs> oh, uh, another canon location, then. Yes, I'm big on using the stuff that's actually in canon that is just kind of painted on. I don't want to go into it deeply, but at the same time, it's there. We should use it. True. Um, I, I'm a I'm a big fan of that uh, for that very reason. Um, one of the games I've actually run off site, which was a naval game, um, was actually set in Mississippi at Baton Rouge um, with the naval base down there. And I did a lot of had a lot of fun just kind of expanding that. It gets a paragraph in the CS Navy book. It's a paragraph, but it's a lot of fun. And I, I like doing that. I like expanding what's there and not necessarily changing it, just making it more. You need to share those notes with me because the Heroes for Hire are just about to like go down that direction. And, Pat, and they're already in the territorial range of uh, CSN uh, Baton Rouge. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll give it to you. There, it, I didn't change much. <coughs> and my game was actually set in 104 PA. Because I was, we we're going to be doing the up, up run to the uh, Juicer Uprisings. Um, so it was going to basically they were going to be a CS Naval Special Forces uh, team dealing with uh, the Juicer Uprisings. That's not giving anything away for any of the players for that game ever because uh, they know that since the start. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that's that's pretty much it. And I will definitely get you the notes. That's 
they're not pretty ex- they're not real extensive but there's actually quite a bit down there most people don't realize it um, there's at least two major Native American tribes down there plus yep. all the CS traffic yeah um, and yeah, the Sky Fort Preserve yeah yeah the Sky Fort I mean there's just a lot down there most people don't realize it see it as this big empty area and it's not. It is not. <laughs> I do have some maps, though, I will share for you uh, for, of the area because I went through and uh, took a Google map and added extra water. <laughs> Alrighty. So, and uh, Lars, so what kind of a curious uh, questions or insights you have? Well, certainly, certainly the mention of the Black Vault, uh, you know, I'm like, well, wow, that's going to be cool. And at the same time, I, I could just see my character thinking, like, are they going to let us back out and not kill us here? You never know. <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, the other thing too is, of course, with the, the the very recent release of the CS book, which I haven't even had a chance to read. Uh, Heroes of Humanity. It'll be interesting to see how that gets uh, meshed into things. It's about the combat courier quite well. Can't stand yeah. Uh, just a moment for a plug for EJ's review of that. Uh, that's available. Yeah, he could so take a look at it, folks. And then, of course, they recently, uh, if if I understand correctly, it's it's actually a, a an old Nema uh, Silverhawk. That the the group recovered that has a dead reactor. Yep. Um, that's 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 kind of cool, but at the same time, I'm like, damn, I wish the character could kind of keep it just because it's awesome. But at the same time, it's like, well, being being a like a uh, um, not exactly a fanatic, but you know, a true believer of the coalition states, like he wouldn't not turn it over, kind of thing. And I'm just like, oh, that's gonna suck. <laughs> because it's uh, you know it's definitely one of those things where I mean they're not super powerful but they're 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 really neat and especially set in rifts it's it's you know it, it's iconic it, yeah it's, it's 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 arguably more iconic than the the glitter boys because the glitter, glitter boys are relatively well known about but not so much the rest of the Nema mechs yeah I actually got a, gave them a Nema mech a Nema flight suit and a actual Nema computer it's just like a tablet computer. That is dead, and I haven't decided yet what is on there, but it's going to be some good stuff. Yeah, because I mean that's that's definitely one thing Carl's going to focus on is getting the suit up and running as well as the tablet because the suit, its systems would arguably have some sort of record as to what happened to the pilot that the group found dead, and then the tablet would probably have more intel. Uh, mm-hmm. And he's, he, he, I think he's got all the skills required to do that. Uh, Pretty sure he does. We did. Uh, we we kind of focused on making sure that happened. So, yeah, um, I think at this point now, uh, it's he just doesn't have electrical generation and one other skill to like actually work on the uh, the power suit. And then other than that, I mean, like I'm, I'm still really new to the group, so a lot of it's going to be you know, looking forward to to just kind of getting to know all the other characters. Um, I mean, beyond that, I'm just I'm just kind of like hanging in there to see to see what happens. But I'd definitely be interested to see what happens with uh, all the new CS material once that rolls out, as well as you know, like would we ever uh, go deal with the uh, the Ziktik, for example, because the CS is very heavily involved with that as well. Yeah, you probably won't. See, well, you'll see some of it. So the you'll definitely see the Ziktiks, and but it's going to be a side thing. Uh, you'll probably see more of the demons and such from um, Heroes of Humanity than you will the actual uh, the Ziktikas themselves. Although you will be going through Ziktikas territory, and that's on you how you do it. Um, I have this uh, theory in terms of how to run a game. I present problems. I don't have answers. 
It's not my job to have answers. Thank you. It is it's so. It is. Yeah, <clears throat> one of the things we get along on. Um, <laughs> the uh, it is not my job to have answers. It is a job of the players to create unique answers, and they don't really let me down. Uh, I've never actually been let down on that. So it's uh, been a lot of fun. Well, I mean, I mean, the CS has a sort of general guidebook anyway, I believe, to, to dealing with the bugs. Um, although some of that definitely went out the window with Tolkien, uh, since they, they basically kicked the, the, the beehive and now the, the bugs are just super active and haven't apparently settled down, as I understand it, since. And I'm sure the Minion War is not going to uh, help things at all either. One question on that um is when or when will they start uh, establishing hives? Just whenever the date is uh, in the books, or do we have a time when we're going to start using that? Or ah, so meta narrative for EU for their R canon is that the question basically? Yeah. So um, I have I haven't even given it a consideration uh, just yet. I, I know per the uh, per past canon per past canon the uh, the Zedekic were like. Aggravated by General General Jericho Holmes coming through their territory and then coming in back during Tolkien and whatnot, but um, they haven't actually established any serious hives in territory that was predominantly human held yet, and so I don't know if that'll change the, with the new uh, with the new book, uh, Heroes of Humanity, uh, or not. Um, if it does, you know, it, it's we we run play by posts. So expect a year or two delay in anything like this. But individual GMs can always take things, you know, on, on off on their own a little bit and go yeah, explore new situations. But so for the meta narrative right now on EU, the you know the entire megaverse is in the is in the uh, middle of the minion war. So every almost every different group has had some sort of contact with demons and devils, either thrashing it out together against each other, you know, or they have uh, been party to some sort of adventure where it was revealed that the demons or devils were either behind it or in league with another power or whatever the case may be. Uh, so for like... Yeah, my, my question was actually more about the hell pits themselves that are described in uh, menu, uh, Mega uh, Megaverse of Flame on Flame or whatever it was, the last world book before Heroes of Humanity. It's on the what? Oh, there's the uh, hell pits that basically uh, Megaverse and Flames indicates that there's hell pits that open across Earth. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, hell pits. Okay, sorry, I didn't understand that. That's fine. Uh, yeah, I, I say. Uh, you know, if they got canon locate, if they have canon locations noted where they are, make it so. And okay. if they haven't defined where all of them are, and then they're like, and many, many more, or whatever, feel free to do that wherever you want as a GM. I mean, have fun with it. Be creative. That's always my number one rule as a GM: be creative and and you know make X fun so that well, folks can enjoy X. Then uh, the CS players can just. Uh, count on the fact that the finale for this campaign whenever we get to run it is going to be really interesting because Calgary is a hell pit yeah <laughs> hey hit, hit me up if you want if you want some mapping help with that 
Well, I would love to tackle that. Definitely, I know with the Templar. The Templar kind of missed out, actually, on uh, some intro up into the Minion War stuff, uh, talking about that, because uh, that was right when uh, they uh, lost their GM for a while, and then I was uh, running some material, and the group itself had been through so much turmoil, they ended up deciding, you know what, we don't have enough people even left, or, or enough organization to continue with this mission, and they just called it a wash and went back to Murktown to, to basically rebuild their group. Um, yeah, it, it does so, happen on occasion. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see what happens on that angle as well, but with the CS group, um, I mean, it, it, my impression so far is that it's a pretty solid group. I'm not, I'm not like, it, it's hard to say, like, for me as a player so far, like, how well certain interactions are going to go, but, uh, yeah, I know, I know definitely, like, Maine's creeping Carl out. <laughs> <laughs> Maine creeps a lot of people out. That's kind of his thing. Um, his player, Matt, has actually uh, got quite a bit where he's written CS stuff um, that's appeared in the Rifters. So he's really, really good at writing for the CS. Um, it's kind of one of his things that he loves to do. And it ends up being a lot of fun because he can play that out to the hilt. Um, I've seen him do mutant animals exceptionally well. Um, and one time he actually did a kill hound um, in my um, naval game. And that was the most hilarious, dumb as a brick, strong as a um, mountain um, character you will ever find who didn't care about anything except food and fighting. That was all he wanted. <laughs> it reminds me actually of um, another site where there was another uh, like game set up and we had a there was a, <clears throat> a mutant dog boy named Stripe and he was, a, he was a very interesting character, very laid back kind of thing. Um his setup had been like he, he was actually like serving some CS noble or something like that as a, pr a protector, and then they'd gotten killed, and he was just kind of stuck in uh, Kingsdale. He his thing like he would only stick to using CS gear. People would, like other players were buying him gear, like a J12, and he would go and bury it somewhere, and then forget where he put it. <laughs> That's awesome. All right. So uh, as without a transition. Uh, I'm, I think uh, everyone can say, safely say that uh, who's involved in the game that everyone's uh, looking, looking kind of forward to seeing how this how this shakes out with the CS and the one tenth. Uh, will they be ambushed at the black vault trying to drop off the stuff, or you know, by the CS themselves saying, "Okay, you know too much now," or what will happen? Uh, should be curious. Uh, but uh, let's take a quick moment to. Uh, Transition over and uh, without a transition, and uh, talk about the summer 2016 EP contest. So uh, <clears throat> our, our our player here, uh, Patrick, has actually uh, been part of some of this work, uh, helping helping put together a couple of these uh, MOS packages and whatnot. Um, what are your uh, initial impressions here, gentlemen? Or I guess uh, we should tell them what it's about. <laughs> Patrick, yeah. Um, well, the the MOS packages are actually kind of cool. Um, the summer uh, EP contest was basically to create uh, new MOS packages, which are more or less OCCs, for the Aerosmall Defense Force for the uh, Heroes Unlimited 2 Galactic game, which I thought was really cool. 
And some of these, honestly, Lord, why didn't you have these in to begin with? I know. <laughs> Limited imagination. This is why I, I run groups. <laughs> so I can be awesome by taking other people's ideas and going, yeah, that's great. Let's do that. Yeah, Tyree. I like. I actually really like Tyree's chaplain um, idea. Um, Neal's player, uh, who's also brute, um, has uh, helped him out on some of the gods there. And uh, yeah. from, I think he said he talked to you about it as well. Yeah, that was that was actually kind of fun. Um, some of the others, like the officer, which you know is one of those like we didn't have one, and it's so obvious that we needed one. <laughs> it's kind of interesting. Yeah, I well, I like it. I also I, I like it um, based on the fact that it's uh, you know like a dedicated line officer, right? Yeah, and you know in formal militaries line officers can go any different directions where you go in Navy or you're going armed, you know, the army or, or, the, you know, if you're a line officer in the Marines, it does Yeah. It makes certain sense, but kind of in, in the original game, they're just, it's just a rank, you know, you're not a dedicated line officer. And, uh, but this is a little different. Um, so, you know, it gives you a, like a theater choices and, I think that's interesting. I think that kind of reflects that kind of variety that we normally see in the real uh, military arms. Um, but, it, it, but at the same time, it's like, I don't know, the, a lot of the skills just kind of say, I don't know, like an operations generalist. And yeah, but anyway, it, it, it's, it's definitely interesting. Just needs a, some serious help with that, uh, with the actual graphic. That's terrible. <laughs> <clears throat> the uh, military police one is kind of interesting but I don't yeah, we, that's one I don't really see that we needed but that's yeah. just me yeah we ha- I mean we well we have it we already have the uh, the master at arms so right. the MP is already there but internal affairs that's kind of interesting but yeah that, that is that could be something like um, like the psych court you know Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know huh, who targets them, right? If they're in charge of internal affairs, <laughs> uh, so Didn't we just have this whole big coup because of that. Yeah, exactly, right. So I don't know. I, I think that one that one shows interesting perception. But like yourself, I like the chaplain one. Uh, although I, although you know, he only had a limited amount of space to get his content up. So I I recognize and I appreciate you know the depth that he did provide on the Lords of Kojo. Um, however, you know, uh, it's been established that the Erismals are very multicultural race. So, you know, there's a lot of different possibilities out there as well. In addition to the dominant pantheon, if you will. Right. So should be interesting. Uh, the idea specialist was, uh, kind of cool. And it's not something we really had. Um, and the graphic is awesome. Yeah. yeah Tyree did a really great job on that. <laughs> yeah. Um, the acquisition specialist, I can't stand that uh, graphic for the Aerosmall, although I am so stealing that for the CS. I know. Right? That's happening. That is happening. But um, at the same time, it's just not a Aerosmall. No, but... Maybe if it had the... I like the, uh, I like the MOS. I really like that MOS. It's actually yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. And Animal the- Handler is weird. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, no, no. And, and he's even got the uh, the AKA, the Jeepers Creepers, you know, that... The, the kind of like handle that people really use for the ratings, you know, so mm-hmm. that's that's totally very military 
it's, it's something very commonly done. So kudos to Snafu for, you know, going that extra little step. Animal Handler is one that I, I just don't see a space-based yeah. uh, military going into all that much. It'd be nice, but it's yeah. just not something a space-based military would do. Yeah, not too many dogs in uh, on, on ships in the fleet. So, Or yeah. any of the other animals that Aerosmall has, because yeah. Aerosmall actually has quite a few decent animals that we've already established. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> or we should get a zoology thread going. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, there, I mean, there's that. Uh, they have some of those uh, options up there so far. And uh, I think that's most of the content options except for the very There's, last one which, yeah field reporter which I don't know uh, some of that says yes to me and at the, at the, I think it would just have to be couched in different terminology yeah it, as a propaganda agent it makes a lot of sense and as a propaganda agent I like it I do not like the idea of a field reporter um, yeah. it's not even though they have a military newspaper it's not something they would do Right, and and at the same time, you know, like no military, like anywhere, uh, calls them propaganda, propagandists. No, right? No, you don't tell the truth if your job is propaganda. Propaganda. So you're definitely That's not going to give yourself a truthful name like propaganda agent. You know, uh, <laughs> instead, instead they're like photographers' mates or you know journalist. Uh, yeah. So, like one of our former GMs and star players on the site who quit a couple years ago uh, girls uh, he was a he was a Marine Corps officer who was a journalist and I was like so what did you do he's like I ah, mainly wrote propaganda pieces for stars and stripes I'm like <laughs> nice to know, <laughs> you know? <laughs> confirmation uh, but yeah it, it, it's a really interesting list of MOS packages I just hope people uh, take a look at the overview real quick before they go into this, that would hopefully save them from doing things like Animal Handler. Um, although, who knows, right? Whatever. Um, yeah. And, uh, um, and take a look at those kind of things, because, you know, I'm offering a 10 EP, you know, to uh, <laughs> and getting added to the canon of the setting to the first place winner, and no small chunk of EP for the second and third place contestants. No. Um, one thing I will say as a as a shout out, thank you to Snafu for the basis of my now awesome uh, avatar because I really really like it. Um, I had to go through and play with it a little bit, but I really really like it. It's awesome. Um, the one I had of Big Boss was was great, but this one is better. I like it. So thank you, Snafu. <laughs> What about yourself, Lars? Well, I mean, I'd be biased since I have an entry in there with the MOS, the, the uh, EOD specialist. And one thing I wanted to try and do was I, w I was playing with the idea of adding in the skill from the CS EOD specialist. But at the same time, uh, I mean, you've already got an established skill list, and really the EOD specialist skill is something you can really handle on your own as a GM using demolitions or whatever. 
my re- my real thing had been trying to figure out well what would I have as a you know sort of MOS specialty bonus and it just struck me that having some decent saves to uh, to horror factor because I, know, I remember when I was first looking at applying to the military one of the lines I was looking at uh, doing was an, uh, like a um, what are they calling it again? Basically, like an ammunition specialist kind of thing, and right. it was largely a logistics role. But the the advanced training that you normally progress into goes into uh, disposal of unexploded ordnance, and eventually into EOD specialists. And the first thing, you know, like a lot of a lot of uh, friends of mine, like my sister, for example, were military. Were all like, man, you have to have balls of steel to do that. And I'm like, why? I mean, like yeah. any, mil- any 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 military role really that would have you in in you know out in the field is going to be dangerous by its nature. Yeah. Yes, you're playing with explosives, and yes, there's the danger that you're closer to them. But at the same time, like the guys firing artillery rounds, like you know, one of those cook off in the barrel. For all I know, I mean, there's exactly. the war museum uh, in Ottawa, for example, has, has you know some examples of what happens. Uh, you know, when that kind of thing goes off. So I'm like, eh, odds-wise, I'm like, I mean, they give you the training, so, I mean, it didn't really make that big of a difference, but everybody was making a big deal about it. So I'm like, well, okay, well, it makes sense then that you would have, like, this sort of, like, these nerves of steel and be more resistant to horror factor because you'd be like, not necessarily that it, it doesn't necessarily, like, horrify you at some level, but, you know, you're, you're calm enough to be like, yeah, well, there's worse things. See, I like that because it's kind of true in a, in, a, in, a, in a particular way. Your sister's right. It's different. Uh, you know, if you're in a combat situation, normally you're reacting. It's react. So fear is something you just learn to live with and suppress so that you can do your job. Whereas this is actively seeking out something that has the capacity to maim you terribly or, you know, kill you and or maybe others around you. And not only are you not trying to just do take care of this thing at a distance like you would in almost all combat situations nowadays uh, you know uh, but you're actually approaching it personally to go take care of the problem you know it's like being the psychologist for you know Charles Manson who happens to have knives in his belt and isn't restrained and you're in the room alone with him and you have to talk him down because otherwise you know <laughs> yeah but you see like I get you're dead yeah, you see, and whereas, like, to me, I'm like, okay, but they give you the training, and I'm like, you, you have some protective gear that probably won't help you at all, but no. I'm like, uh, I don't know, like, if I went infantry, somebody could just shoot me in the head, for all I know, you know, like, I'm like, to me, it's like, it, it was the same, like, I, it's different, but at the same time, it's like, well, it's technically the same degree of risk, and when you look at, um, don't. you know, when I, when I actually delved into, like, um, the survival odds of a lot of these guys, most of them have actually gone through their careers and nothing really bad's happened. So I'm like... Good training. Oh, yeah, and, and then not only that, but had a whole different um, slew of things that you could specialize in yeah. uh, and go from, which is what, what really attracted me to it. And I just, I don't know, like to me it just never registered that, you know, it was really any different than anything else that I ended up applying for. And in my case, they ended up losing my application and the position closed before uh, that got sorted out, but... It's the danger you know. of the known versus the danger of the unknown. Yeah. And and really, you know, the danger of the known, that, you know, you have to have just balls to go do it. Whereas the danger of the unknown that just kind of springs on you, you don't have a choice but to react. And, you know, they call cowardice, cowards the guys who run from that. Well, actually, that's the survival instinct. <laughs> and in many cases, the wise thing to do. Um, and, you know, we call them brave when they, 
you know, dig in or turn around and then fight back. And so, you know, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a totally separate, totally separate thing, you know? Uh, yeah. Well, and, and I mean, sim- similar lines, fear, uh, but. yeah. Um, similar lines, like other jobs that I've, that I've had or like presently have like the mill. Uh, I mean, this heavy equipment can malfunction. We've had logs, you know, the size of a car go flying through the air across the room. Sure. Um, and that's, you know, we, that's kind of like combat. It's an unknown. It might happen, but you never anticipate it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, all we do is we have safety zones around stuff, and you always let certain people know when you're going to certain areas. There's certain precautions that you take. But ultimately, I mean, the, the job could kill that, that I'm in now could kill me just as readily as anything else. Sure. Uh, and I just, I mean, I'm paid really well for it, but at the same time, I'm just like, it, it's just like, why worry about it? Because if, if it happens, you're not, you're probably not going to live very long. <laughs> like, right. you're flipped over before you even knew it happened. Right. Uh, um, so, so, yeah, that's just the kind of nature of the beast there. But uh, it, overall, uh, what would you say, uh, if you could rate these, uh, all these uh, various uh, submissions, in, in a collective manner, uh, how many out of five stars there, uh, folks? At least four out of five for the majority of them, um, but I tend to be a little bit more forgiving. Well, I think the chaplain, for example, is, is a, a really interesting idea because even in the modern military, people oh, yeah. like people believe in in you know gods or like even if you're uh, agnostic, there's stu- there's still some sense of spirituality even if you don't necessarily believe in in one specific deity or whatever. So I think that's very fitting. It's an interesting aspect that we haven't uh, broached at all, really, other than, you know, how should I say God or gods or what in, in the original language, right? In their, in their, in the yeah, that's, that comes up a lot. You know, so I think this adds a lot of, a little extra depth there. And uh, that's, it's pretty interesting. But yeah, I mean, uh, heck, we had a, when we were in the Gulf, took Operation Iraqi Freedom and Enduring Freedom. We had a Muslim on board. <laughs> he had a vestibule with, you know, a painted marker and everything to let him know which way was uh, which way was facing Mecca, etc. And um, yeah, I mean, and we had everything. How we, we had a, a small coven of witches at one point. Uh, yeah, was hilarious. I'm just like, good God, man. But <laughs> the British have a satanist. <laughs> yeah. They were forced to take on a satanist a couple of years back. Yeah. There's actually he he took him to court over that one. I love, I love it. <laughs> so yeah, uh, but let's uh, let's take it let's take it let's take this all. Uh, you know we've been waxing a little bit back into the past and whatnot and, and our experiences and stuff. But let's take it back a bit further. Let's take this all the way back to the first EU epic. Now uh, neither of these uh, neither of my co-hosts here uh, were in, on the site just yet. They both came in. Uh, Right after, basically, the first epic concluded, so they're going to do a lot of the uh, a lot of the Q, and I'm going to do a lot of the A. So um, feel free to hit me up, whatever you want to, whatever, whatever you're looking for, gentlemen. Well, I'm I'm thinking right off the bat, uh, give everybody a rundown of what exactly was happening at that time for the epic. Like, what was the epic about? Oh, okay. what groups were involved? Right. So uh, inspiration was uh, the book Riffs After Riffs Aftermath. Which uh, noted that there were uh, Splugorth colonies along the northeast coast in Nova Scotia, Newfoundland, and stuff, and that this was a growing problem that Free Quebec and CS and everyone else was 
slowly becoming aware of, but Free Quebec was already well on top of it and, and aware of it due to their woodland scouts and whatnot. So I got into my head to get Free Quebec, and, and we'd never done anything. We, I think we had like half a dozen groups before. We had about half a dozen mercenary groups, um, player groups on site. And I got on, got it in my head to have um, Free Quebec come down and offer basically everybody in town who's willing to fight uh, each group, that is, a million uh, universal credits to help them out in a covert operation against uh, these two, against two strongholds up in that area. So everyone kind of got on board. There was a lot of logistical issues getting, getting these things to happen. And the one big snafu where I made a mistake was in, in having everyone mix up their groups. So instead of operating uh, as their group, as part of uh, a larger concentrated effort, it was like half of heroes for hire was working with spook squad who was working with whoever right and so it was kind of cluster in that respect in that okay you get to interact with members of another group but at the same time you know you didn't have that chemistry with them and you really didn't know exactly what they were capable of or how they would play and so it was a, it was a little it was a little that was a bad call on my on my part way back when uh, plus I was less I was less I, I was less of a uh, collaborative uh, administrator at that time. So anyway, um, so they go up there and they have two sites to take out, basically. And one's kind of small and it's like a fairy harvesting enslavement camp. And the other one's in uh, Nova Scotia at Halifax. And it's actually like a fairly major facility. It's like a small town already. And they've got the whole nine yards going. You know, they got power lords. They've got conservators. They got the whole nine yards. And uh, basically the job of the Merc groups is to breach the walls, rescue as many uh, slaves as possible, because that's what the Spluworth do. Uh, rescue as many human slaves, I might add. Uh, you know, extract as many people as, as you can, cause enough havoc, and, and uh, plant markers for a nuclear strike. Nice. So you had limited, you know, tactical nukes. And, but you had to get in there and you had to lay down these uh, tags, basically, target acquisition gear, for nuclear missiles with uh, tactical warheads and on, like, primary targets. And then you had to, you know, you had to get out of there, obviously, because uh, they were going to deliver a barrage at a, at a, of all of the targets at a specified time. So it was, I don't know, it, it went pretty well, uh, but there was like, I think, half a dozen groups involved, or about, I don't know, 40 or 50 players, I guess. Yeah, uh, that, can, uh, that can definitely get pretty involved, because I know with uh, the current uh, join that we have in, going in phase world right now with the two groups that are active there right now working side by side, like it's, it's still a bit of a hit or miss thing, because we're still not quite sure of, you know, what the other team can do, right. but, uh, you know, we're slowly working through that. But with that many players, though, oh, yeah. Still, that sounds really interesting. Well, they, they were on like, a, if I remember correctly, about a half a dozen different threads. So I basically just took all the groups, reorganized them, because I was a dumbass like that, and then was like, okay, you're team A, team B, team C, whatever. And uh, yeah, I was looking at that. Here are your targets, and one one was including a, a pyramid, and so that was yeah. But it was a. Uh, there were, it, it set the stage for uh, set, setting up the idea. How do I want to phrase this? It made real and gave legitimacy to the idea of doing an epic, but I don't think I did it well because I did that whole group reshuffling and everything. 
I think that was a bad move. Well, I mean, we've only had, like, we're only going into, what, our third epic right now on the site, officially? So, I mean, it, it's not like this, this is, there's been a whole lot laid down uh, before, and you can you only have to you have to basically try these things and see how it works out until you know right you know, how it works best. Right. So, in the epic wise, as I can recall, this was the first one. Let's say gets this blue earth in the northeast, and then the second one, I believe, was Viking Kingsdale. Although I, I have a feeling there was one before that, but. That's the only one I can recall at the moment. Yes, yeah, see, I, I would have sworn that there was one before the Viking one, because I definitely wasn't around for the, the Splurgoth, uh, but I'd come in right in the tail end of, of some sort of epic right. um, that people were still talking about. So unless that had dragged on that long, which is possible. It, you know, I think it took about half a year or four months or so, but I, I could, my memory could be foggy because that was years ago. That was yeah. almost a decade ago. <laughs> But yeah, no, I remember. I, never, I remember the Viking Kingsdale thing because that's where we were getting the. Um, we were at the Crusaders Murktown, and we were tasked with with capturing this entity that uh, Kingsdale was debating, uh, either allying with or using against Viking if a war had kicked off. Right. Yes. And in the end, in the end, the group had decided, uh, you know, heck, capturing this thing, let's destroy it, and it actually, I think, escaped. Ultimately, I'm, I'm not entirely clear of what happened with it because of the the way the plague entities work, that if they don't find a host within a certain period of time, they actually do dissipate. But uh, we ended up killing. Well, actually, specifically, I ended up killing the host um, because he escaped multiple times, and he was going to let like he, he had this detonator that supposedly was going to blow up a bunch of children, and my character was like. I'll take that risk because you've already, like, we already didn't once, and a whole bunch of kids and this whole village had been wiped out and turned to undead and all sorts of nasty things. And uh, so he just shot him, and all that went off was this recorder of, of the, the the villain laughing, and then uh, none of us actually had seen visible, so none of us noticed that the, the entity had actually drifted off at that point to go uh, try and find another host. So, yeah, the... I think we had the Wyke and Kingsdale, and um, gosh, you know, I'm not sure. I think I'm sorry, the Battle of the Gates, right? And then the kickoff of the of the uh, Minion War, which is the uh, the Battle of the Gate you know, Gates of Murktown, which I thought was really well done, considering I didn't have anything to do with it other than yeah, go ahead and do it. <laughs> a lot of people seem to remember that and had a lot of fun with it. Yeah, that actually set off um, one of uh, Paragon's actual one of my more memorable things because we chased down a lead that ended us taking us through to the planet in Kulta, which was an elemental planet oh. uh, with the demons and devils fighting over it. Mm-hmm. And there was a big MacGuffin um, artifact that we actually kept. Um, it's currently in the position of Tyree's character <laughs> and he won't let anyone have it. <laughs> of course. Um, but he wants to use it as a reactor for his uh, Veritech. So, you know. Of course. <laughs> priorities and all. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. It's the heart of a star. I want to use it as a reactor. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it'll power, like, anything you can cram onto it. Why not? All we need to do is go transdimensional, find the SDF-1, bring it back. Yeah. <laughs> Uh yeah well I mean it, we, well I mean talking about dealing with artifacts I mean the si- similar thing has been going on with um, Blackbeard Adventures and uh, the Rogues have been going around collecting basically sub artifacts that 
make up or will plug into this larger artifact uh, for Thraxus um, as a lead up to this Binion Warden. And we just re- recently retrieved one one portion of it. And, uh, and of course, now we've just had the invasion of Center that uh, we're all involved in. But uh, as to the first epic, I mean, honestly, um, I mean, unless there's like some really specifically memorable points oh. that you have in mind or... Uh, you know, I, there was one because uh, I controlled one group and each of the exi- uh, GMs at the time had controlled another. Uh, Belton had, in the adventure immediately prior to uh, the epic, uh, the Heroes for Hire had been in uh, the Burbs uh, trying to rescue Belton's brother or something like that. I don't remember. But Belton ended up uh, <clears throat> getting his hands on a ghostly katana of soul slaying. And oh. Mind you, he's a mind melter, and he was like, oh, maybe fifth or sixth level back then, maybe fifth level. Uh, so, you know, he's still kind of feeling his oats a little bit, uh, just testing his limits, right? But anyway, he gets his, his hands on this amazing soul-drinking rune weapon right in time for this epic. And uh, he's he's pretty cautious and quiet throughout most of the epic until at one point uh, Zoe, the warlock, uh, basically busts open a bunch of slave pens with like a, I don't know, it wasn't a tornado or anything, but it was, it was something along that along those lines, and uh, much commotion is had, and like a big old power lord comes right around the corner, is about to stomp her flat, and uh, Belton ninjas his way up around into the side of him and takes out the power lord with a single stroke. Nice. And uh, you know, ghostly katana of soul slaying. So yeah. Uh, goes right through armor, everything else, and just goes straight to the rips your soul out. And it was just like it was a very memorable ninja moment. And I don't know, he he got rid of that weapon somehow. I don't I don't recall, but uh, he doesn't have it anymore. But that was like a kind of an epic moment uh, out of the epic that I recall. Man, I would never give, get rid of one of those things. They don't. I don't think they actually drink souls, but they do. They do something like one d six times ten, and <laughs> yeah, they do bypass all armor. But. Uh, yeah, the ghostly katana of soul sling. So, uh, in Belton, that was that was an epic moment. Uh, any anything else uh, for yourself, Patrick? No, I mean, like I said, a lot of it was before my time. Um, I am kind of curious as to how the uh, did they actually interact with the Free Quebec people at all? Uh, no, they were, the uh, they were basically operating as a the Free Quebec people were operating off the screen as a distraction for most of the combat forces of the Splugorth. So they were a big distraction, and the mercenaries that went in were the actual uh, going-and-get-the-job-done squad. Nice. So, so this is why they only faced, you know, a handful of conservators, power lords, and stuff like that, whereas there would be normally, like, a legion. Yeah. So. Well, Little Boy uh, troops are really good at mowing down lots of people. Right. <laughs> So uh, yeah, that, I mean, that, and that was a uh, that was the first epic though. Uh, uh, good idea, uh, not terribly well handled on my end. Uh, I think uh, it would actually cost us a number of players at that at that time because of all the conflict from that. But uh, coming out of it, I think we we learned how to try and do epics a little better than the, the next times around. And uh, yeah, and we, we got to find out uh, some of the 
some of the problems with epics uh, logistically just trying to get all those groups into one area oh, that, uh, big challenge so what have you uh, what are you thinking for the next epic we do you know I'm kind of open for that uh, like right now we have the ongoing meta narrative epic of the Dominion War or I'm sorry of the Minion War <laughs> wrong franchise um, <laughs> but I, I'm, I'm kind of open to ideas but I would like to get the groups back all together again not commit the gre- grievous sin of uh, shuffling up their rosters uh, but getting them towards like a single or a series of targets against you know some bad guy uh, I would guess the the demons or devils would be a, a good one for that. Um, I would actually put forth that uh, something within the Federation of Magic might not be a bad idea. Because if there's one thing almost all of us can agree on is that the Federation of Magic are pretty much douches. <laughs> well, not, not only that, but it's actually uh, from the, just the preview of uh, the, the Heroes of Humanity book, the Federation of Magic, as well as a few other factions, uh, like the, the Tolkien... Uh, rebels and whatnot are still very hostile to the CS as well as other groups uh, that they see as having wronged them or otherwise uh, having issues. Whereas the players are now put in this position of, well, we don't like the CS either, but if we don't help protect the CS, we're going to collapse because the CS is like the major force in North America right now. Yeah, uh, because, yeah, and, and you'd like, if the CS goes down, like, there, there's, you know, probably half of the available fighting force that goes out the window. Yeah. Probably closer to two thirds. Yeah, yeah. The, the <laughs> CS army is huge. But as, well, and they inflated it further, actually. Yeah, well, they they don't project as much as they actually keep at home. They're super conservative on how much they actually project, except during the Tolkien offensive. Yeah, that was when that went out the window. Yeah, <laughs> in, the, in the in the preview, they actually uh, they built up even more than they did for Tolkien. Um, they it, it, it says in the preview for that book that uh, the CS basically ups and says, you know what, we don't care uh, Like we don't care what you did against the CS in the past, we're willing to wipe the slate clean as long as you're willing to work with us and, you know, like if you're human we want you to sign up, and then unofficially, you know, if there are DBs or mages, they, they would wind up actually, it, it, it makes it very clear that the, the CS soldiers wind up actually fighting side by side with these people that they would normally wipe out, and while there are still the odd groups of CS troops that would still just blow away any DBs or mages, the vast majority of them are just like, we don't care, we're fighting this enemy, great, now we're done, okay, great, we're going to go over here, and we just don't want to see you until the next time. <laughs> yeah. Right. yeah as, something like that, basically, maybe uh, someone in the uh, Federation is unintentionally opening up a hell pit, or intentionally opening up a hell pit, um, but one that they control as opposed to one the devils or demons control might be a, uh, a a nice basis and it give us something big and huge to go after. Well, it's certainly Duncan is. Uh, I mean, he's like his entire retinue is is all demo- like demons and whatnot. So I can I can definitely see the like that end coming in from somewhere, even behind its back that maybe the demons are starting a, a hell pit to try and overthrow the Federation of Magic. Even. Uh, Lord Dunskin, they, yeah. they you mean? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's a possibility. Any uh, any other ideas? Uh, I'm 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 totally open to uh to you know out of left field uh, ideas. Hell, Nixla hasn't exactly been dealt with yet. 
So no, I always thought that was kind of an interesting angle. Although I think we've been yeah. eating zombies to death for a while. Maybe that's just me. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah you're still that. Exactly. Um, but I know for at least somebody in, um, in Paragon, uh, PAS would be all about it because Rocky is um, part of us and he's actually from Sizecape. Right. And he would be, we would be all in on that on multiple levels. Um, Nixla would be an interesting one. Something else that might be kind of fun is uh, dealing with, well, I like Underseas, so the Lord of the Deep. Oh, yeah. Uh, I love I love under, the underseas environment, and the CS has really good underseas equipment. So I'm all in. <laughs> I don't know about the other groups, but I'm all in. Curse for um, <laughs> presently underwater in Lake Pontchartrain, invading a submerged uh, submerged base. Uh, it's home to a uh, well. I'll just say a bad guy, and, and not spoiler them. <laughs> but. Uh, yeah, so uh, the whole underwater thing can be really interesting. Um, but Lord of the Deep, I mean, we're talking the Marianas Trench. So you're talking yeah. logistics, get people out there, and then get them down five-plus miles in pressure that will crush you like an insect. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> well, it's, it's, well, I mean, it's not just the CS that has good naval gear now. I mean, the NG actually has quite a few really good oh, yeah. naval units now. Triax has had some for quite a while. Um, I think and then there's, there's the new navy. Yeah, there's the new navy that would definitely pitch in to help in some regards, anyway. Um, and th- there's mention of the new navy having been busy establishing various bases around the world, and then there's Tritonia, yeah, uh, and a few other naval powers. So uh, I'm pretty sure that uh, if nothing else, that the players would be able to get at least the the bare nece- like the bare necessities to actually fight an aquatic battle. Um, yeah, because the, the, the Lord had basically like uh, those feelers or creepers or whatever, you know, his tentacles that reach out like thousands of miles. And yeah. so those are a, like a major, major threat, let alone, yeah. no. I mean, even just fighting one of them would be, would be enough. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You don't have to go after the Lord himself. Yeah, well, because the, the Eurasia game, uh, when, I, when I first joined the Eurasia game, uh, we, like, it was actually in the middle of the city being attacked by one of those tentacles. Uh, and it, it, it actually uh, just because the, the way the like the, the group had kind of started falling apart at that point, a lot of players had quit. Uh, a lot of the newer players, we didn't know what was even going on. And in the end, uh, one of those city, uh, the city that it had been attacking, uh, had actually was basically destroyed because we weren't able to deal with this big tentacle. Because I mean, most of us we get out and then we're like, uh, what is this thing? Let's get out of here. The coastal city, obviously, yeah. <laughs> um, no, no, it was one of the it was one of the floating cities. That makes yeah. sense, even more sense. Yeah, because like there's uh, what is it, the Lumerians, whatever that have they've got a couple of floating cities. So it was it was supposed to be one of their sort of like uh, not their like main city, but one of the other floating cities, and basically got pulled into the sea and, and destroyed. And I mean that certainly if it had been organized at the time and the, and, the, and the group had been more together, like we could have uh, that would have made you know for quite a vetro on its own, but. So, uh, what do you think? Think I should put up a poll? See what a, see what kind of a main baddie target kind of ideas we can uh, get from the community and uh, see what see what uh, works out best via poll. I definitely start with a just a discussion and then right, add right. a poll. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. so, I mean, there's definitely quite a few major threats uh, out there right now. Right. Uh, um, and. I mean, I know the the players would certainly like probably uh, like to have some input as to 
what kind of direction they'd like to go in. Absolutely. Well, that, and, sounds, uh, that sounds pretty good. It could make for some really interesting bed buddies, too, because, like, for example, if you threw in the CS group and the Templar, for example, well, Marcus is still wanted by the CS, and actually they're wanted by Free Quebec right now, too, for, for having some of their the Free Quebec's equipment that they're not supposed to. And But at the same time, they're like, well, kind of thrown together, and we'll just maybe just go our ways and then worry about each other later. Yeah, and, and that's the thing about Epics. They throw all the groups into the same setting at basically the same time. So the the catch is the logistics of, okay, can we get all the groups done with an adventure, their adventure, adventures, whatever, at a given date, and then start this? And that's the problem. That's where I always have the the buy-in problem from GMs, which is why I took well, the uh, Minion War epic into a meta narrative and just provided some guidance and stuff. Yeah, well, I think in some cases, as long as, um, you know, maybe do the pair-ups behind the scenes and talk to the various GMs and see where, where certain groups are with potentially getting back to town. Because I know, for example, uh, like one reason I mentioned the Templar is because I know with the Templar, we're, they're most, like, they're they're on a good ways back towards being done. They're, they're sort of like side mission and heading back to town. And then the CS, the CS group is sort of like, you know, kind of heading back in the zone. And I know past is somewhere in in the midst of whatever they're doing. Yeah, they're uh, in the three galaxies. Well, yeah, I know, I, well, I, I know I know they're in the three galaxies right now, but I'm not quite sure like how far along they are with their plans. Cause they're still kind of new to that section. Like about that. halfway. Yeah. So about I mean, halfway. Yeah. So if you find another group that's roughly about halfway done with you know whatever they're involved in, you can look at pairing them up with Pass or. You know that kind of thing, because I think I think putting more than two groups together is, is really a bit too much. Because well, yeah, certainly, I mean, certainly with a, a single thread, that just doesn't work. It's just too much. Yeah, because I mean, definitely know that uh, right now, Dark Lord and Consumer are basically tag teaming, GMing uh, the Minion War and Phase World right now. So each one will do a couple of GM posts, and then the other one will do some. Hmm. And I mean, it, it, yeah, I mean, it's 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 actually it's flowing fairly well. The GM posts are a little bit slower as a result, obviously, because. Uh, right now, I think poor consumer is dealing with something like a hundred actions in a round. But I mean, it, it's it's at least flowing relatively well, and the the two groups are working fairly well together, considering they they only just met and didn't even really know each other existed. All right. Well, I think that's a that's a that's a good idea. I think uh, getting up a discussion about it, uh, collaborating with the GMs to see what like starting points we can use seeing about how we want to collaboratively uh, framework out an epic and giving uh, a poll, a discussion which leads to a poll to a target for the players. I think that sounds like a good good idea. Uh, listeners, let us know what you think. Uh, you, you know, the, the email is radiofreemarktown at uh, gmail.com, uh, as stated in the intro. So uh, let me know what you think, and if you're, if you're a player on site who's listening, uh, Post up a response to the uh, to the Radio Free Murktown thread and let us know what you think or whatnot, and uh, we'll see about getting a discussion going and uh, maybe a poll and get another epic going where uh, the groups into you know not only interact but cooperate and work together. So I think that'd be good. Uh, Lars, Patrick, nice having you on. All right, sir. Have a good night. All right, have a good night, gentlemen. I'll talk to you later. Bye.